Welcome to Product Knowledge, the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. I'm Andrea Schwabi, Director of Media Services at Graphos Product. And with me as always is the President and CEO of Graphos, Laurier Mandin. Most product marketers have heard the name Alan Clement. Even if you don't recognize his name, you're probably familiar with the ideas from his book, When Coffee and Kale Compete, Become Great at Making Products People Will Buy. Alan Clement is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker. For years, he's explored the root of why people make the buying choices they do. His conclusion, people buy things to improve their life. The process of using a product to turn an existing life situation into a desired situation is something Alan Clement calls a job to be done. This episode of Product Knowledge is part two of our conversation with Alan Clement. In part one, we learned products have a job to be done in the mind of the consumer. Today in part two, we do a deep dive into just what it means to rethink your product marketing from feature-driven to a solution-driven process that can keep up with the market. We spoke with Alan Clement from his home in New York City on the 4th of July. Here's part two of our conversation. Now, Laurier picks up the conversation where we left off last time, talking about how to identify any product's job to be done. I think inventors very often kind of, they they see the job to be done and they automatically, you know, they perceive and conceive the the solution to that. So they're experiencing that the need for for that job to be done. And they think in terms of the solution without really even realizing that that that's the job to be done that, that got them there. So if you have a really great invention um, that's a truck accessory or anything else that's, that's achieving something specific, it, the mother of that invention is usually someone who wanted to do a job and mm-hmm. they saw the solution in terms of, of the invention that did not exist where that gap was. And, you know, but very often they have trouble going back to the initial point that they were at. They just begin to just see the solution. And, yeah. and I think it's really important to, to, to bear in mind, you know, where that came from. That came from a job to be done. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's where you, because again, you have to really take the investigation outside of the product. Like for example, when we do jobs research, right? We don't, we, you know, like the minivan example or, or the car example, I'm not going to ask them like, Oh, you bought a minivan. Tell me what you like about it. You know, or tell me why you bought it. And you know, cause if you ask those kinds of questions, you're making the product actually the center of conversation. So it's actually all product focused, but actually when we do research uh, about finding consumer jobs out there, there's very little talk about the product. Right. It's basically the conversation starts off with, oh, you bought a minivan. Oh, that's interesting. And you know, maybe for five minutes you talk about, oh, you know, tell me what you think about it. You know, just to kind of they want to get it all out of them, right? And then after that, you're like, oh, okay, so you bought a minivan two days ago. Well, what did you used to use? Oh, I used to have a sedan. Oh, really? Tell me tell me about your old sedan. You know? So you were you're kind of actually exploring their life and how they interact with different products. Um, and then kind of uh, discovering that journey. So they go from old me to new me, and then you kind of describe, about, well, what was, going back to what we said before, what, what were the process goals or the change goals you were trying to make? Um, and when you were thinking about products, you know, how did they or didn't they fit into helping you make that change? Yeah, and usually with, you know, that new me it's, or, or future me, it's kind of that happier or more efficient future me that they're looking at. So, um, so they're looking at ways to, you know, to improve their life by by buying the product and 
I find it interestingly, though, you know, we talked about it being kind of iterative because it's progress oriented as a as a pro, as opposed to being 100% solution oriented. They don't necessarily want to to be just in a, in a certain place. In in the book, you talk about the importance of making progress over the importance of of, of achieving that result. Now, why is that important to product marketers and inventors that that they don't think just in terms of of you know the the end goal why why is progress more important oh right because kind of going back to what we said before thinking about the two different types of goals right you've you've got process goals and you've got these kind of outcome usage goals and then very often when people are like think about like that quote unquote end result they're talking they're thinking about like this finite you know moment um and so i think that's you know there's that kind of thinking, right? But also is that what happens and is that once you achieve, what can I go back to, you know, so why progress, right? Is that even when I, you know, achieve certain outcome goals or certain usage goals and achieve certain process goals, you know, I, I could do things now that I couldn't do before. Very often consumers will want to start doing more after that. So it's like, I've, I've gone from level one to level two. Well, now I want to go from level two to, to level three. And so I think that's why thinking about, well, actually you're in the business of delivering progress. And I guess maybe even like going back to our dongle example, right? You know, you're always delivering progress to, to consumers and thinking about, okay, well, how can we always make sure that all their gear always works together? And so, and, and now honestly that like never ends, right? as opposed to just focusing on, well, let's make sure that their monitor and their laptops can always talk, or, you know, we can connect to the latest Apple laptop or whatever it is. So I, I think that kind of always thinking about progress, because again, you know, once consumers, you know, again, going back to even like the 3D printer, right? Once you got a taste of what the new version of the printer, oh my gosh, that, that's what I want, right? Um, you know, they, they didn't just settle there. They thought, about, okay, what's, what's the next version of the 3D printer going to be like? And, and sometimes the the job to be done is is not necessarily for the end user or in the first and foremost in uh, foremost in the end user's mind, right? For example, I might create a product that it's the goal of that product is to change customer behaviors. I, I want to create a product that's more environmental, or maybe a product that eliminates meat. It may have you know results like that where I, I want to change consumer behaviors. How does how does that work in the context of jobs to be done where, when it's a job that the consumer may not really have in mind yet what we've learned is that there are like these like intrinsic goals that consumer or that, are, that uh, humans have right we want to you know belonging and caring and you know control of things and proficiency like there's all these kind of essential characteristics that make us human and that we are motivated to change once there's some sort of disruption or you know disturbance in that. So I, I kind of going back to your example about let's just say being environmentally friendly, you know, and maybe we will even use Tesla. I think so. It was like, and and like being eco-friendly, for example, you know, whatever it was twenty years ago, it was kind of like a fringe thing, for example, right? You know, electric cars, yeah, they were out there, but it was kind of like, oh, that's what the granola people use. It's you know, it's kind of whatever. But then it then became like fashionable to people, right? So like that's, so now you kind of like those goals had been activated through, you know, those consumer goals have been activated through the market. So 
you know, now there's celebrities talking about how important it is to save the planet and be environmentally friendly. And now, um, you know, I'm seeing things out there that, you know, governments are talking about it now. So then like, that's kind of creates a need in me. Of, well, actually, yeah. you know, I want to be, yeah, I, so I want to be belong to this. And now this is now important to me because, well, it must be important because everyone else is talking about it, but I should be environmentally conscious. So that's like the idea of like actually creating a job to be done. Um, Leadership, and, right? Someone is, is yes. championing that job to be done and, 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 and creating, creating the following of, of people who now have it on their radar. But the job, yeah, ha- the job has to, to be coming from somewhere in order for it to be perceived. So you need champions of change in order to, yes. to do that. Or really slick yep. marketing, I guess, that will create that, that desire in people's mind and say, oh, yeah, maybe I should be eating less meat, even if, if I'm eating yeah. a lot of salt and, uh, and, and yep. other things that may not be yeah, good for me. Right, exactly. Right, you'll be like using the old way. Yeah, like the Beyond Burger, for example, or you know, which is kind of I, I've I've been seeing now, and yeah, you know, that's great marketing around that. But um, you know, anyone can can see this happen. Um, just watch, just watch Steve Jobs. He was the master of that. Uh, he would, you know, people. Oh yeah, I like my like. Actually, watch how we introduced the the iPhone. Right, it's great. It's a it's perfect. Right, that if you go back and watch yeah. it. I think for 15 minutes, he never talked about the iPhone. I mean, it's a product launch. And for the first 15 minutes, he never even mentioned, mentioned it, but he doesn't show it. I mean, who does that? And what everybody knew they were there for that, right? So he kept you waiting in that case. And uh... Yes. What he was doing was he was generating demand. He was creating, going back to before, he was creating that, that discrepancy in people. Oh, here's how you currently use, and here's how you currently live and work. Let me tell you what's wrong with the way that you live and work today. And people are like, oh, yeah. That is right. Oh, yeah, I never thought about that way. That's right. That does suck. And then he's like, well, you know what? Here's how things should be. You should be like this. Here's how it should be. Look at this. Isn't this easy? And this isn't this great? So he's, he's, he's kind of creating that discrepancy and you generating demand. And you're seeing, there, seeing it happen right in front of you. You're listening to Product Knowledge, the Graphos podcast about marketing products that improve people's lives. Yeah, and kind of aggregating a whole pile of jobs to be done into one device, which is, you know, that was the first time that, that any of us had ever seen it done with yes. that many things at one time, even taking his own products and mashing them together and eliminating the the need for an iPod. You know, yes. all, all these things happened. It was it was kind of this really transformative moment in marketing, I think. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's like, that's a huge, right? And people, maybe I need to emphasize this some more in the future, but people forget like there's some very interesting characteristics or things that happen around the iPhone. Like first off, like when he, when they introduced it, I think the year or the year or two that Apple introduced the iPhone, I think the next year was actually Blackberry's highest sales ever. Right. So like, there, so like this idea that it was instant hint is not really true. And the other thing is that when Apple started making the iPhone, I think in 2004, when they first started, you know, in the secret room thinking about it, the iPod had not even peaked in sales. So they were already anticipating destroying their best-selling, you know, market-crushing product. They were already planning to make it obsolete. And again, I think that goes back to what we said before, being solution-focused, delivering progress, being agent of change, generating demand in consumers, as opposed to being reactive. I wanted to ask you about what is the job to be done for for a smartphone now? Is is that job to have all the devices and software that you possibly can in your pocket and in your hand at one given time in a single device? What is the job to be done when when there are so many of them? 
like that's really really hard to do what you have to actually have to phrase the question and this is actually a great way to think about jobs and how to research them it's saying well wait a minute since someone adopted the iphone what can they do now that they couldn't do before that's describing it and then the answer to that question are your job to be done like for example like me like oh i can um now because of the iphone because so I'll, I'll speak myself personally because of my iphone now i actually when i travel abroad i have much more confidence when traveling abroad and i actually take more quote-unquote risks you know i go to more you know i explore more because i know that i always have this like pocket map and then i can always get back to where i used to be right so like i as a result of the iphone i change more um as another change i've made as a result of the iphone is that actually i'm i'm taking pictures more that i didn't do before because it was always a pain in the butt so now i'm collecting memories you know of my family that you know i always had this anxiety about oh should i do it should i not and i didn't want to hold around a camera with me and so i just opted not to take a camera with me and so now i kind of had this worry about losing you know potential family album and, and family memories but now i don't have that anxiety anymore i'm doing it now so i mean i would on the list or like work on the go like i always know that like if I'm working with my development team or whomever that they can always reach me and that I can actually kind of be a, a, a collaborator with them, even if I'm not right at my desk, you know, Oh my gosh, we, you know, we made this release of the version and the product. Can you review the specs? Can you review the, the, the design? And because the iPhone is actually like a mini computer, I can do that on the go. I don't have to like, you know, imagine like 15 years ago, you get a call on your Blackberry. Oh, Hey, you know, can you review all these documents? Something's wrong. Like, oh, wait, let me go to a computer, you know? So like, I could be much more responsive than even running my business. So I, I can go, go on and on, but that gives you an idea. Like, that's how you like think of jobs thinking. That's how you describe it is, what can you do now that you couldn't do before? How have you changed as a result of adopting the product? It's kind of the, it, the there can be a number of jobs to be done. Um, you might you might buy that product just because it takes the best photos in some case, and we you know we talked about that on an earlier episode that that it's not you the phone quality on an iPhone kind of sucks compared to some of the other things out there, but people don't buy this product called an iPhone to use as a phone most of the time. It's it is it is to do all these other jobs, and to me that's amazing. That I think that devices like that put us into a different era of jobs to be done where you know the, we have to. Um, to understand many different levels in some cases. The good thing, I think, for most product developers is, is that they can focus on, on greater simplicity and, and on achieving simpler purposes and getting their, um, and getting their users to that, that desired future state through achieving core focuses and core functions, rather, of the product. And, uh, and I think what, what most listeners have to, to, to think about with their products is, is, is focusing down on, you know, a single job or just a few single jobs that need to be done. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, when we're doing research, we, we kind of think of it as like like, uh, like research smells. You know, I don't know if you guys have a, have a software development background, but it's like like coding smells, right? You know, like when you're reviewing a, a code base, there's like certain things or characteristics of the code base that make you think, ah, oh, I'm looking at spaghetti code here. Um, we think the same way with with, with regards to um, to doing jobs research. Is like if someone comes back and says, "Oh, we, we've discovered 30 jobs that our product does." I'm like, "Whoa, okay, 
you're probably you're probably really just describing one or two jobs, but you know you, you're commingling, you know, like the higher level job to be done with like all the other kind of maybe you know like sub goals or you know maybe like you're you're commingling process goals with you know with like outcome goals or you know right change goals with usage goals. You're probably commingling all those together. Now you really need to separate those out and say, well, the job you're done is about the change goals, and then the usage goals are are something else. Yeah. And from the buyer perspective, um, a big problem that, that's often made in marketing is not understanding which of those is the most important. And, you know, nobody wants to read a long list of features and just understand what, whether or not this product is going to do the job that they need most to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So if, um, if I could, I can give a very simple example. Actually, I talk about this in the um, presentation I, I, I give, or we'll, broadcast I mean, about a few months or a few weeks from now but very briefly it was a company I could talk about it they it was a startup um, around uh, bras right and at first it was bras for models and Emily she's the founder she called it model basics um, she did some research and she found out oh wait a minute actually the job to be done is not you know well she didn't wasn't thinking job before she recognized that actually the potential was around not models, you know, wearing these particular kind of bras, but actually just normal women, like everyday women wearing these bras. But what they wanted was they wanted to actually wear backless clothes. And they want to wear like, like lace wedding outfits and they want to wear, you know, backless or like halter top things. So what they wanted to do actually was actually wear types of clothes that they couldn't wear before because the current design of bras just didn't make it look good or wouldn't work. And so that's, she actually pivoted the company. She changed from model basics to backless basics. She recognized that, you know, at first, oh, we're going to target models, but actually now it's actually every woman in the world, right? Right from that product name too, right? Is backless basics. Right now you understand that core benefit and, and this is going to do that job for you. Yep. Yep. So for her, and so right now in her kind of thinking, She's focusing on the job to be done as well. We want to make sure that actually it's, it's always kind of expand our wardrobe that women can wear, right? And make sure that they're not being restricted by, you know, certain underwear or undergarments, right? Again, going back to even kind of like the dongle example, we want to make sure that people's tech can all work together. And then they kind of think about, you know, oh, the usage goal, oh, make sure it fits right and, you know, the slippage or whatever. So when she like markets and talks and advertises it, she leads with, you know, wear clothes that you couldn't wear before and then describes, oh, well, you know, here's how that happens and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love that example because it all, it goes from a very elite market that, that you're talking to that most women would say, well, I am not a model to saying, I want that. I need that. Yeah. Jobs to be done, I think, are driven by competition and innovation as well as consumer needs that are evolving, all those things happening at the same oh, time. Absolutely. So we're never, we're not in the same place most of the time next year as we are now, except for, yep. you know, in some realms we may be. If, if you're, if the product you create is a ceramic urn of some type, you know, that, that, that people keep on using year after year, a cremation urn or something like that, the job yeah. to be done isn't likely, it may never change, you know, it may not change in yeah. your lifetime. But if right. you're doing an innovative product, the, the job might be entirely different this time next year. Yep. Exactly. That's actually why I, so in my research business, um, we believe actually we, this is why I'm, I'm developing this, um, analytics package right now 
is because I, I believe that marketing marketing research has to fundamentally change. And I'm actually promoting this idea of, I call it, for lack of a better word, I, mean, I, have, I have to coin it just right, but it's basically like agile for market research, right? We're, we're still, use, like, you know, because of great manufacturing processes, you know, like Lean and Six Sigma and whatever, whatever, we've gotten really great at, like, producing artifacts and things, but market research is still, like, it's pretty much the same way it's been done since Bernays, like in the thirties, like it's basically the same, right? Oh, we're going to do market research once a year. It's going to cost $150,000 and take three months. But I mean, even right. Yeah. But, but, but even, but, but, you know, but even then it's like, well, when you decided to start the project and then when you, when you finished it, actually things changed <laughs> the market, you know, and I think that change is going to happen even faster and faster and faster because you, you're not, you know, you're not, markets are not a static system, right? It's not, it's not nature where you have like the static laws of nature. It's actually a, you know, there's like that, that quote, like you never step in the same river twice, like the same thing. You never sample the same market twice. You're, you're, you're working in a very dynamic world and you have to realize that, that it, the results are changing day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Because this, the system that you're studying is not a static system. It's actually an adaptive uh, dynamic system. So that's why I believe that you actually should be, you know, create these kind of models of the market. You know, like we should model like how customers are making choices today, model competitive models, all these, you know, need models. What's we'll kind of make these models like, but then update them every, every month, for example. So we always know kind of, you know, what are people buying? Why are they buying? How are their needs changing? So on and so forth. I'm sorry. Well, that's a whole nother discussion onto its own, but I think it's, that's very interesting. Right now, the working title is Jobs to be Done, Understand, Discover, Design, Create. Um, and we're shooting for, I would say, end of this year, right? I, I, you know, I, so I'm kind of thinking about, you know, again, like I'm writing and thinking about the content I'm creating, but also recognizing, you know, the kind of progress that readers want um, and their own constraints, you know? So I'm kind of thinking about is like basically four like very short, like mini books that kind of come together. It's, it's still very short because I understand people have like time constraints, but it's basically kind of four topics and you kind of figure out which combination fit you. So it's like four mini workbooks put together. So I think that's going to be really fun. You know, do you want to understand jobs? Do you want to discover them? Do you want to design a solution for them? Or do you want to think about creating jobs to be done? And it's, you know, maybe 30 or 40 pages on each of those topics and that's it. That's all for part two of Product Knowledge and our interview with Alan Clement. To get a copy of his book free online, visit whencoffeeandkalecompete.com and we'll have more information in the show notes. Graphos, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Graphos Canada. You can also visit our blog at blog.graphos.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe, like, or review, or share the podcast with a friend or colleague. You can reach us at productknowledge at graphos.ca. Product Knowledge is the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. I'm Andrea Schwabe.